This sermon was created with an artificial voice for the audiobook initiative on Sermon Audio. There may be mispronunciations or occasional repetitions. To report a mistake, please email us at info at sermonaudio.com and include the sermon ID or title of the message and the time at which the error occurs. We will do our best to get it corrected for future listeners. The Greatness of the Soul, Part 10, by John Bunyan. But, brave soul, pray tell me what the things are that discourage thee, and that weaken thy strength in the way. Why, the amazing greatness of this, my enterprise, that is one thing. I am now pursuing things of the highest, the greatest, the most enriching nature, even eternal things and the thoughts of the greatness of them drowned me. For when the heat of my spirit in the pursuit after them is a little returned and abated, and abated, methinks I hear myself talking thus to myself, Fond fool, canst thou imagine that such a gnat, a flea, a pismire as thou art, can take and possess the heavens, and mantle thyself up in the eternal glories? If thou makest first a trial of the successfulness of thy endeavors upon things far lower, more base, but much more easy to obtain as crowns, kingdoms, much more easy to obtain as crowns, earldoms, dukedoms, gold, silver, or the like, how vain are these attempts of thine? And yet thou thinkest to possess thy soul of heaven, away, away, by the height thereof thou mayest well conclude it is far above out of thy reach, and by the breadth thereof it is too large for thee to grasp, and by the nature of the excellent glory thereof too good for thee to possess. These are the thoughts that sometimes discourage me and that weaken my strength in the way. Answer. The greatness of thy undertaking does but show the nobleness of thy soul, in that it cannot, will not, be content with such low and dry as the base-born spirits that are of the world can and do content themselves with all. And as to the greatness of the things thou aimest at, though they be, ere they are indeed, things that have not their like, yet they are not too big for God to give. And he has promised to give them to the soul that seeketh him, yea, he hath prepared the kingdom, given the kingdom, and laid up in the kingdom of heaven the things that thy soul longeth for, presseth after, and cannot be content without. As for thy making a trial of the successfulness of thy endeavors upon things more interim and base, that is but a trick of the old deceiver. God has refused to give his children the great, the brave, and glorious things of this world, a few only accepted, because he has prepared some better thing for them. Wherefore faint not, but let thy hand be strong, for thy work shall be rewarded. And since thy soul is at work for soul things, for divine and eternal things, God will give them to thee. Thou art not of the number of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Thou shalt receive the end of thy faith, the salvation of thy soul. Objection 2. But all my discouragement doth not lie in this. 
I see so much of the sinful vileness of my nature and feel how ready it is to thrust itself forth at all occasions to the defiling of my whole man and more. Now this added to the former adds to my discouragement greatly. Answer. This should be cause of humiliation and of self-abasement, but not of discouragement. For the best of saints have their weaknesses, these their weaknesses. The ladies, as well as she that grinds at the mill, know what doth attend that sex. And the giants in grace, as well as the weak and shrubs, are sensible of the same things, which thou layest in against thy exercising of hope, or as matter of thy discouragement. Poor David says, My soul refused to be comforted upon this very account, and Paul cries out under sense of this, O wretched man that I am, and comes, as it were, to the borders of doubt, saying, Who shall deliver me? Only he was quick at remembering that Christ was his righteousness and price of redemption, and there he relieved himself. Again, this should drive us to faith in Christ, for therefore are the corruptions by divine permission still left in us. They are not left in us to drive us to unbelief, but to faith, that is, to look to the perfect righteousness of Christ for life. And for further help, consider that therefore Christ liveth in heaven, making intercession, that thou mightest be saved by his life, not by thine, and by his intercessions, not by thy perfections. Let not therefore thy weaknesses be thy discouragements. Only let them put thee upon the duties required of thee by the gospel, to wit, faith, hope, repentance, humility, watchfulness, diligence, diligence, etc. Objection 3. But I find, together with these things, weakness and faintness as to my graces, my faith, my hope, my love, and desires to these and all other Christian duties are weak. I am like the man in the dream that would have run but could not, that would have fought but could not, and that would have fled but could not. Answer 1. Weak graces are graces. Weak graces may grow stronger. But if the iron be blunt, put to the more strength. 2. Christ seems to be most tender of the weak. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. And again I will seek that which was lost, and bring again that which was driven away, and will bind up that which was broken, and will strengthen that which was sick. Only here will thy wisdom be manifested to wit, that thou grow in grace, and that thou use lawfully and diligently the means to do it. Use six, I come in the next place, to a use of terror, and so I shall conclude. Is it so? Is the soul such an excellent thing? And is the loss thereof so unspeakably great? Then this showeth the sad state of those that lose their souls. We use to count those in a deplorable condition that by one only stroke are stripped of their whole estate. The fire swept away all that he had, or all that he had was in such a ship, and that ship sunk into the bottom of the sea. This is sad news. This is heavy tidings. This is bewailed of all, especially if such were great in the world. 
and were brought by their loss from a high to a low, to a very low condition. But alas, what is this to the loss about which we have been speaking all this while? The loss of an estate may be repaired, or if not, a man may find friends in his present deplorable condition to his support, though not recovery, though not recovery, but far will this be from him that shall lose his soul. Ah, he has lost his soul, and can never be recovered again, unless hellfire can comfort him, unless he can solace himself in the fiery indignation of God. Terrors will be upon him, anguish and sorrow will swallow him up, because of present misery. Slighted and set at naught by God and his angels, he will also be in this miserable state, and this will add to sorrow, sorrow, and to his vexation of spirit, howling, to present you with emblems of tormented spirits, or to draw before your eyes the picture of hell. Are things too light for so ponderous a subject as this? Nor can any man frame or invent words, be they never so deep and profound, sufficient to the life to set out the torments of hell. All those expressions of fire, brimstone, the lake of fire, a fiery furnace, the bottomless pit, and a hundred more to boot, are all too short to let forth the miseries of those that shall be damned souls. Who knoweth the power or God's anger? None at all. And unless the power of that can be known, it must abide as unspeakable as the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. We hear it thunder, we see it lighten, yea, eclipses, comets, and blazing stars are all subject to smite us with terror, with terror, the thought of a ghost, of the appearing of a dead wife, a dead husband, or the like, how terrible are these things! But alas, what are these? Mere flea-bitings, nay, not so bad, when compared with the torments of hell. Guilt and despair, what are they? Who understands them unto perfection? The ireful looks of an infinite majesty, what mortal in the land of the living can tell us to the full? How dismal and breaking to the soul of a man it is, when it comes as from the power of his anger, and arises from the utmost indignation. Besides, who knows of all the ways by which the Almighty will inflict his just revenges upon the souls of damned sinners? When Paul was caught up to the third heaven, he heard words that were unspeakable and he that goes down to hell shall hear groans that are unutterable. Here did I say, they shall feel them. They shall feel them burst from their wounded spirit as thunderclaps do from the clouds. Once I dreamed that I saw two, whom I knew in hell, and methought I saw a continual dropping from heaven as of great drops of fire lighting upon them to their sore distress. Oh, words are wanting, thoughts are wanting, imagination and fancy are poor things here. Hell is another kind of place and state than any alive can think. And since I am upon this subject, I will here treat a little of hell as the scriptures will give me leave. And the rather because I am upon a use of terror, and because hell is the place of torment. 1. 
Hell is said to be beneath, as heaven is said to be above, because as above signifieth the utmost joy, triumph, and felicity, so beneath is a term most fit to describe the place of hell by, because of the utmost opposition that is between these two, hell being the place of the utmost sorrow, despair, and misery, there are the underlings ever trampled under the feet of God, they are beneath, below, under. 2. Hell is said to be darkness, and heaven is said to be light, light, to show the pleasurableness and the desirableness of heaven, and darkness, to show the dolesome and wearisomeness of hell, and how weary, oh, oh, how weary and wearisomely, as I may say, will damned souls turn themselves from side to side, from place to place, in hell, while swallowed up in the thickest darkness, and griped with the burning thoughts of the endlessness of that most unutterable misery. 3. Men are said to go up to heaven, but they are said to go down to hell, up because of exaltation, and because they must abound in beauty and glory that go to heaven, down because of those sad dejections, that great deformity and vile contempt that sin hath brought them to that go to hell. 4. Heaven is called a hill or mount, hell is called a pit or hole, heaven a mount, the Mount Zion, to show how God has and will exalt them that loved him in the world, hell a pit or hole, to show how all the ungodly shall be buried in the yawning paunch and belly of hell, as in a hollow cave. 5. Heaven, it is said of heaven, the height of heaven and of hell, the bottomless pit, the height of heaven, to show that the exaltation of them that do ascend up thither is both perfect and unsearchable, and hell, the bottomless pit, to show that the downfall of them that descend in thither will never be at an end. Down, 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 down they go, and nothing but down, down still. 6. Heaven, it is called the paradise of God, but hell the burning lake, a paradise to show how quiet, harm the sweet and beautiful heaven shall be to them that possess it, that possess it. As the garden was at the beginning of the creation, hell, the burning lake, to allude to Sodom, that since its destruction is turned into a stinking lake, and to show that as their distress was unutterable, and to the highest amazement, full of confusion and horror, when that tempestuous storm of fire and brimstone was rained from the Lord out of heaven upon them, so to the utmost degree shall it be with the souls that are lost and cast into hell. 7. It is said that there are dwelling houses, or places in the kingdom of heaven, and also that there are the cells or the chambers of death in hell. There are mansions or dwelling places in heaven to show that every one of them that go thither might have his reward according to his work, and that there is hell and the lowest hell and the chambers of death in hell to show there are places and states in hell too for sinners to be imprisoned in according to their faults. Hence it is said of some these shall receive greater damnation, they shan, and of others, that it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the judgment, 
than for them, etc. The lowest hell. How many hells there are above that, or more tolerable tormenting places, than the most exquisite torments there, God, and they that are there, know best. But degrees without doubt there are, and the term lowest shows the utmost and most exquisite distress. So the chambers of death, the second death in hell, for so I think the words should be understood, her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. These are the chambers at the chambers in the temple, or that the dwelling places in the house in heaven are opposed to, and this opposition shows that as there will be degrees of glory in heaven, so there will of torments in hell, and there is all reason for it, since the punishment must be inflicted by God, the infinitely just. Why should a poor, silly, ignorant man, though damned, be punished with the same degree of torment that he that has lived a thousand times worse shall be punished with? It cannot be. Justice will not admit it. Guilt and the quality of the transgression will not admit it. Yea, the tormenting fire of hell itself will not admit it. For if hell-fire can kindle upon nothing but sin, and the sinner for the sake of it, and if sin be as oil to that fire, as the Holy Ghost seems to intimate, saying, Let it come into his bowels like water, and like oil into his bones. Then, as the quantity of the oil is, so will the fire burn, and so will the flaming flame ascend, and the smoke of their torment for ever and ever. Suppose a piece of timber, a little bedaubed with oil, and another that has been soaking in it many a year, which of these two think you would burn fiercest? And from whence would the flaming flame ascend highest, and make the most roaring noise? Suppose two vessels filled with oil, one containing the quantity of a pint, the other containing the quantity of a hogshead, and suppose that in one place they were both set on fire, yet so that they might not intermix flames, nay, though they did, yet all would conclude that the most amazing roaring flame would be upon the biggest vessel, and would be the effect of the greatest quantity of oil, so it will be with the wicked in hell. The lowest hell is for the biggest sinners, and theirs will be the greater damnation, and the more intolerable torment, though he that has least of this oil of sin in his bones, and of the kindlings of hell-fire upon him, will find he has hell enough, and will be weary enough thereof, for still he must struggle with flames that are everlasting. For sin is such a thing that it can never be burned out of the soul and body of a damned sinner. But again, having treated thus of hell, we will now speak a word or two of sin, for that is it upon which hell-fire seizes, and so on the soul by that. Sin, it is the sting of hell, the sting of death is sin. By death in this place we must not understand that which is natural, but that which is in hell, the second death, even everlasting damnation, for natural death the saints die, yea, and also many sinners, without the least touch of a sting from that. But here is a death that has a sting to hurt, to twinge, and wound the sinner with, even then when it has the utmost mastery of him. 
And this is the death that the saved are delivered from, not that which is natural, for that is the end of them as of others. But the second death, the death in hell, for that is the portion of the damned. And it is from that that the saints have a promise of deliverance. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. And again, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. It is this death then that hath the chambers to hold each damned soul in. And sin is the twining, winding, biting, biting, poisoning sting of this death, or of these chambers of hell, for sinners to be stricken, stung, and pierced with. The sting of death is sin. Sin, the general of it, is the sting of hell, for there would be no such thing as torment even there. Were it not that sin is there with sinners? For, as I have hinted already, the fire of hell, the indignation and wrath of God, can fasten and kindle upon nothing but for, or because of sin. Sin, then, as sin is the sting and the hell of hells, of the lowest and upmost hells. Sin, I say, in the nature of it, simply as it is concluded both by God and the damned, to be a breach of his holy law, so it is the sting of the second death, which is the worm of hell. But then, as sin is such a sting in itself, so it is heightened, sharpened, and made more keen and sharp by those circumstances that, as concomitants attended in every act, for there is not a sin at any time committed by man, but there is some circumstance or other attends it that makes it, when charged home by God's law, bigger and sharper, and more venom and poisonous to the soul than if it could be committed without them. And this is the sting of the hornet, the great sting. I sinned without a cause to please a base lust, to gratify the devil. Here is the sting. Again I preferred sin before holiness, death before life, hell before heaven, the devil before God, and damnation before a Savior. Here is the sting. Again, I preferred moments before everlastings, temporals before eternals, to be racked and always slaying before the life that is blessed and endless. Here is the sting. Also this I did against light, against convictions, against conscience, against persuasion of friends, ministers, and the godly lives which I beheld in others. Here is the sting. Also, this I did against warnings, forewarnings. Yea, though I saw others fall before my face by the mighty hand of God for committing of the same. Here is the sting. Sinners, would I could persuade you to hear me out. A man cannot commit a sin, but by the commission of it he doth, by some circumstance or other, sharpen the sting of hell, and that to pierce himself through and through and through with many sorrows. Also, the sting of hell to some will be that the damnation of others stand upon their score, for that by imitating of them, by being deluded by them, persuaded by them, drawn in by them, persuaded by them, they perish in hell forever, and hence it is that these principal sinners must die all these deaths in themselves, that those damned ones that they have drawn into hell 
are also to bear in their own souls forever. And this God threatened to the prince of Tyrus, that capital sinner, because by his pride, power, practice, and policy, he cast down others into the pit. Therefore saith God to him, They shall bring thee down to the pit, and thou shalt die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. And again, thou shalt die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. Ah, this will be the sting of them, of those that are principal, chief, and, as I may call them, the captain and ring leading sinners. Vipers will come out of other men's fire and flames, and settle upon, seize upon, and forever abide upon their consciences. And this will be the sting of hell, the great sting of hell to them. I will yet add to all this. How will the fairness of some for heaven, even the thoughts of that, sting them when they come to hell? It will not be so much their fall into the pit, as from whence they fell into it, that will be to them the buzzing noise and sharpened sting of the great and terrible hornet. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? There is the sting. Thou that art exalted up to heaven shalt be thrust down to hell, though thou hast made thy nest among the stars. From thence I will fetch thee down. There is a sting to be pulled, for and through love to some vain lust, from the everlasting gates of glory, and caused to be swallowed up for it in the belly of hell, and made to lodge forever in the darksome chambers of death, there is the piercing sting, there is the piercing sting. But again, as there is the sting of hell, so there is the strength of that sting. For a sting, though never so sharp or venom, yet if it wanteth strength to force it to the designed execution, it doth but little hurt. But this sting has strength to cause it to pierce into the soul. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Here then is the strength of the stings of hell. It is the law in the perfect penalty of it. For without the law, sin is dead. Yea, again he saith, where no law is, there is no transgression. The law then followeth, in the executive part of it, the soul into hell, and there strengtheneth sin, that sting of hell, to pierce by its unutterable charging of it on the conscience, the soul for ever and ever, nor can the soul justly murmur or repine at God or at his law, for that then the sharply apprehensive soul will well discern the justness, reasonableness, 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 and goodness of the law, and that nothing is done by the law unto it, but that which is just and equal. This, therefore, will put great strength and force into sin to sting the soul, and to strike it with the lashes of a scorpion. Add yet to these the abiding life of God, the judge and God of this law, will never die. When princes die, the law may be altered by the which at present transgressors are bound in chains. But, oh, here is also that which will make this sting so sharp and keen, the God that executes it will never die. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God.